chapter 10. Uh, for those of you who have got your Bibles or your Bible apps, Romans chapter 10, we're looking at verses 1 through 13. And here's what it says. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes, about, writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, so we've been looking at the basics of our faith. We've looked at uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the universal church. We've, uh, we looked at the communion of saints last week and uh, how, we are all, how we all come together, how we're all big, kind of part of something that's bigger than just us as individuals or even just our individual church. And so, so we're moving through the Apostles' Creed and the basics of faith. And, and this week has got to be probably uh, the, the crux of the matter. Right? This, is, this is it. When it comes to being a Christian, there are a lot of things we believe, and most of our beliefs start with this one. Uh, because the next thing in the creed, after we say that we believe in the communion of saints, we then say the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. And, uh, and, and the forgiveness of sins kind of starts, based, it starts its basis on the idea that there is sin. Right? There are things that we can do that are not right. And really, if you read through scripture, really the whole, whole thing about sin is that it's things that, that separate us from each other. They're things that separate us from God. Sin ultimately are the things that we do that are unhealthy, that, that break apart relationships. They're things that we do and say and think that build a wall between us and God. Because God designed the world in a way that we would all have life. It's why Jesus says that when he comes, he comes to bring life. And so, so he, sets us, he sets this law up and he says, look, if you, if you live by this, you'll find that you'll have life. You'll have life. You'll have fulfillment. You'll have uh, healthy relationships. You'll have, you'll have beautiful, beautiful time in this life. And he sets it up and... Uh, and we don't really like it, <laughs> if we're being honest, because some of the things he tells us we can't do, we don't like it. And the Israelites were no different, right? When Paul, when Paul writes his letter to the Romans, he's really writing to the Israelites. He's writing to the people of God in Rome, the people who used to, who used to be, who are still Jewish. 
And when you read through the Old Testament, you see again and again the Jewish people choosing their own way. And he words it this way in, in the first part of Romans 10. He says, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they do not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness. See, he says, look, you cannot fault the, the, the Israelites. They were zealous, right? They were passionate. They were excited. They wanted to get the thing they thought they were going to get, right? They were, they were zealous. But he says they were, they were zealous for the wrong thing. He says they didn't know the righteousness of God, and so they sought to establish their own. They didn't know that God intended this, this law, this righteousness, to come by another way. He didn't, they didn't know that the whole purpose of the law was to bring life. Right? And let's be honest, it's the same, we have the same scenario as parents. Right? When I tell my kid not to put their hand on the hot stove, it's not because I'm trying to deprive them of some fun thing. It's because I'm trying to save their life. <laughs> right? I'm trying to keep them from having nice little round marks on their hands. Right? There's a reason and a purpose. And, and a lot of times as parents, it does seem like our children, and I can say this because I'm also a, a child of my parents. Right? My parents set up rules to try to help me find life. <laughs> And God sets up these rules to find life. But, but Paul says they sought to establish their own because they didn't see that. What they saw were there were these rules. We don't like the rules. We're going to make our own way. And so they were zealous, but zealous for their own way. Making their own paths. And again and again in Scripture, we see that path fail. Just like today, when you and I do the same thing in our own lives, we try to set our own path, our own course, and we run into a brick wall. <laughs> because ultimately what happens is when we go our own way, what we do is we, we, we build a wall. And, and, and honestly, we have a, we have, I have a great analogy I can use this morning because um, connecting with God, you think of connecting with God like connecting to your Wi-Fi, right? At my house, that's super easy to do. Right? I connect, boom, boom, no matter where I'm at in my house, I can connect to my Wi-Fi. Is the, signal, is the signal in some spots not so great? Absolutely. But I can still connect to it everywhere. Now, uh, at our downtown campus, there is a specific wall that is literally three feet thick. All right? It was so thick that when, uh, when they went to run the, the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi wouldn't even go through it. Right? They had to run a cable through the wall. They couldn't get a drill bit long enough. They had to drill in from this side and in from this side and hope they met in the middle. Right? That's how thick this wall is. Okay? So, so they couldn't get Wi-Fi through this wall. <laughs> and this is the same wall. This is the same wall that we build when we decide that our own way is better. We're on one side, God's on the other, and we, we brick by brick, we build this wall and we separate ourselves out. And so he says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. He says, look, Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is that drill bit that drills in from both sides of the wall and meets it in the middle. Jesus is the one who clears the way 
so that we can make it through because left to our own devices, we're never getting there. Jesus opens up, he says, the right way. <laughs> and he says this, he says, Moses writes about this righteousness that is by the law. And he says, the person who does these things will live by them. Right now, at first when I read that, I thought, well, that seems redundant, right? If you do these things, these are the things you do. But really what he's saying is the person who does these things will find life, right? Will live, really live by them. But the righteousness that's by faith, he says, is, is within the heart. Because what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. See, and, he, and here's, the, here's, here's what the law couldn't do, right? The law for the Israelites and, and for us, the law is there for us, but the law doesn't bring us life. The law just shows us how far short we fall. The law, if anything, demonstrates for us how thick the wall is. And here's the thing about walls. At some point in your house, you need a wall. There are certain walls in your house that you cannot knock down. <laughs> but there's got to be a way to cross them. And so we find this life, he says, by Jesus. But it has to go into word, into mouth and heart. Right? The, and he's really, he's trying to make this point. He says, look, they thought they could find life by just doing the right things, by following the law, getting A, B, C, D, and E all in order, and it's good to go. But, but the law never made it into their hearts. <laughs> they did it because they thought, if I do this, I'll gain this, so I'll do that. But, but it never, never took root. You know, we, we talked this morning, Tom shared a little bit about giving, right? And I feel sometimes like this is, this is when I started, this was, this was, giving was hard for me. When I, when I became a Christian, um, I was 17 and uh, working in the summer. And I thought, why would I just give away my money? I had to work hard for that. I had to work hard. <laughs> but I knew the biblical principle, right? The law says we should give. Right? Jesus even tells his disciples, we should give. And, and for the longest time, I would give a little bit because I thought, okay, I know he said I have to. I know he said that's part of being a Christian. I'll do it because I have to. And then I started seeing these random blessings happen in my life. <laughs> I, would, I would give one week well beyond what I thought I could. Right? I would give... I would give, I would put that money in the plate as, a, as an 18 year old, I'd put that money in the plate and I would watch it go away with like, <laughs> and then wouldn't you know it that week, somebody would call, Hey, I was thinking about you. Can I drop off a Kroger gift card? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> and so I started, I started to let this idea that giving it's not just a law, but it's a, a way of life, right? Because for me, giving was putting the money in the plate. And for that person, their gift was sending the Kroger gift card to me, right? When we all give, everybody gets taken care of. <laughs> and it's amazing how God works this stuff out, but it had to take root in my heart, right? And so now, now when I give, it's the first thing out of my paycheck. That's why I like the online giving because the day I get paid, I can jump on the app and pay it right away. It's the first thing out every time I get paid. 
Now there's a joy when I give because it has taken root within me. I see the value. I see what God intends to do with it. And I see what, I see what my church does with it when we do ministry and we change people's lives. And I think, how can I give more? And this is, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, the law is not meant to just be this, this boundary fence that keeps you from doing all the cool things. He says, it's supposed to take root in your heart. And when it takes root in your heart, it comes out of your mouth. Because that's what Jesus says. He says, from the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so he says, what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And what is in your heart is supposed to be these desire of God to have life. Life for you, life for your neighbor, life for your spouse, life for your brother. It's not just a following the rules, because if it was down to just following the rules, Scripture makes it clear we would never make it. Because the rules ultimately were not designed to get us there. Right? First of all, because we can't live up to the standard. But second of all, because the whole point of the rules was to draw us closer to God. Right? The heart piece. Because God desires to restore this relationship with us. He wants to be in relationship with us, but he's also completely holy. Which means he can't, he can't really hang out with sin. And so God closes the gap by sending his son, by forgiving our sins when we repent of them. And it's the same logic, okay? Think about this this way. It's the same logic when we forgive each other. All right? When we repent to someone, when I have wronged someone and I, and I repent to them, I go and I apologize. I swear I'm never going to do it again. And I do my hardest to never do that thing again, right? When we, because that's what repentance is. When I repent to somebody else, it's because I desire to have a great relationship with them, right? Consider this. If, if you don't care at all about the relationship with another person, you're not going to bother apologizing, you're not going to bother with repentance, right? Because the grudge means more than the relationship. And we do the same thing on the other end when people come to us to be forgiven. We forgive other people because we desire to be in right relationship with them. We choose to give people another chance because we value the relationship over the grudge. And so what we end up doing is we tell people by, by harboring unforgiveness on our end, what we tell them is my hurt is more important to me than my relationship with you. Because all of this boils down to relationship. God desires to be in great relationship with us and he desires for each of us to be in great relationship with each other. We just talked last week that God has built us for relationship. Forgiveness of sins in that scenario becomes the absolute necessity of the Christian life. Because we cannot have healthy relationships with God or with each other if somebody isn't willing to forgive. See, and so, so since we couldn't do what we needed to do through the law, God reaches across that void and he forgives us despite our track record. Because if we're being honest, our track record before God is not good. Right? We repent of the thing. Where we're like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. I know that's going to just only hurt me in the long run. And then what do we do? We go right back to that in two weeks. 
But because God values his relationship with us more than, more than those grudges, he values the relationship with us more than keeping a, a tally of how many times we have wronged him, because he places more value there, he offers all of us forgiveness. Because see, in Isaiah 43, 25, it says this. It says, I, the Lord, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. See, God offers us this, this new beginning, this, this forgiveness, because he desires to be in relationship with us. And, and it's our own sinfulness, our own transgressions, that cause us to not be in good relationship. And so God crosses that. That's why I love in the, in the New Testament, he says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation because he says we should reconcile with people just as God has reconciled with us. Well, who was the one wronged in our relationship and God's relationship? Well, according to scripture, it was us. And yet God, who is the person who was wronged, is the one who does the reconciling. And often when we talk about forgiveness of sin and we talk about forgiving our neighbors in the same way that Jesus forgives us, because that's what he told us to do. What we want is for the people who have wronged us to, to run to us in that moment and apologize and weep and beg for our forgiveness. And yet in scripture, we see God, who is the person who was wrong. He instigates the reconciliation because he desires the relationship. And if we look at our own grudges and the things that we hold within our own hearts on this, that's going to challenge us a little bit. Because it means that it's not the responsibility of, of the person who wronged us to come find us and make all things well. It's our responsibility to place our relationship with them above our grudge. That's a lot harder. And so God offers us this exact thing. He reaches out the hand and he says, I value this relationship. And it's why he says in verse nine, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So he says, look, God has offered up this forgiveness. And how do you enter into it? How do you enter into a right relationship with God? By simply confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in your heart in the resurrection. That there can be new life. There can be something fresh that comes in our lives. Because as Paul says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Which, for the record, that's a huge statement for Paul. Right? Because at that point, it was Jews follow the law. They're the right ones. They're the chosen ones of God. And then there's the Gentiles who are those dogs over in the corner. Paul says, look, it doesn't matter which group you belong to because it's the same Lord who is Lord of all. It's the same forgiveness offered to all people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, God desires a relationship with you. And the cool part about this to me in scripture is that it's not a new thing. Oftentimes we think, well, God forgives people because of Jesus, right? All the forgiveness comes from Jesus, but, but God is in the forgiving business. Like God, it's who he is. It's, it's built into his fabric, right? In Psalm 90 or in Psalm 86, right? Before Jesus comes in the gospels, right? In Psalm 86, he says, you Lord are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. 
And in Psalm 130, he says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. And in Daniel 9.9, he says, The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. And of course, one of my favorites, Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So when we say in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, we're saying that we believe that God loves us enough to put aside all of the the things that we do to separate ourselves That God never removes himself from us because of where we've gone in our lives or the choices we've made or the people that, that we hang out with. God does not remove himself. He has always got the hand of peace offered to us. And that hand of peace comes through Jesus. A hand that forgives, a hand that has new mercy for us every single morning. And my goodness, if it were not for the renewed mercies of God every morning, I would not be here today. And the best way to summarize this is actually with a scripture. 1 John 1.9, he says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. We are forgiven and purified this morning simply because we've asked. Simply because we we go and we say, all right, God, I want to be in right relationship with you. I want to have that relationship where where I I talk and you hear and you talk and I hear and and this, this healthy relationship together. I want to be in that. But I also recognize that some of my choices and the things I've said or done have sort of driven a wedge between us. but he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us. So we believe this morning, church, in the forgiveness of sins. And so really, I've got, I've got two invitations out of that, right? If you've, never, if you've never done that, confessed your sins, I'm not gonna say you have to come up here and list them all for me, all right? Because if you're like me, that's gonna take way too long. Here's what I am saying. I don't have to. This is the beautiful part of the gospel, Right? You don't have to do that through me. You can pray right now and say, God, I have messed up. I have done some things. I've said some things. I've thought some some things. And I need a fresh start. I want to have a healthy relationship with you. I want to have a healthy relationship with my spouse, with my sister, with my whoever it is. All we have to do, he says, is confess. And God is faithful and for just and will forgive us and purify us. So take a moment to confess to God this morning. If you, if you would like my help with that, you want me to hug you, pray for you, whatever you need, I'll stay up here. And of course the altar's open for you and I will guide you through that. If not, do it at your seats. Because <laughs> the grace of God is amazing. Let's pray. God, if not for your grace and your mercy this morning, Who knows where we would be? 
And even in the moments, God, when, when we don't recognize your grace, when we haven't yet made that decision to seek you out and to be in relationship with you, God, even then you still have grace upon us. Our very lives are proof of your grace. So, Lord, we come this morning as, as people who recognize that we have not always made the best or wisest or most life-giving decisions. We confess our sins to you. And we ask for you to forgive us and to start anew. Because we want to be in good relationship with you just as we want to be in good relationship with the people around us that we love the most. So God, forgive us and purify us this morning as we offer up ourselves to you. And may, may that offering to you, God, then translate into our own lives because we know that we're, we're supposed to forgive each other just as you forgive us. So help us to live into forgiveness this morning to be forgiven, and to offer forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?